I want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What's up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to the special super edition, the weekend edition of High Pod. I'm Dad, which is a weekend edition of. It's the same podcast. I just I just did it on the weekend this week. Sorry, guys. It was a Thanksgiving week. I kept going back and forth. When can I record it? When can I do it? When can I put it out there? I felt I was going to rush it. I wasn't going to do it. But at the end of the day. I love doing these things. I love getting a chance to talk to you guys. And this also gives me the opportunity to see if, you know, maybe people like it on a Saturday. So do me a favor. If this goes up, you're listening to it, you like it on a Saturday, let me know. We will maybe work with it. I have a lot of a lot of plans of things that I really want to do with the blog and the podcast. And um, yeah, a lot of things I want to roll out going forward. I've always been kind of weird when it came to this blog. I want it to be as organic as possible. Uh, I don't really chase uh, analytics and I don't do a lot of the stuff that I do at some of my my day jobs where I, I help websites grow and I look at how to bring people in. When it comes to this, I try to keep it pretty much on the straight and narrow. Uh, just do how I feel and, and put it out there. And I don't know, it's been, it's been pretty beautiful. So thank you guys. Uh, I'm thankful for you. Honestly, when I talk about Thanksgiving, I am thankful for all of you who give me the opportunity to do this because it is probably, I mean, I've, I've never really talked about this, but what's really crazy is that I remember years ago thinking about what I wanted to do like with my life and how I wanted to use my writing to reach people and what I wanted to talk about. And I haven't really gone in depth on it because it's, it's such a, it's a natural story when I tell it, but there was a time period before it happened that was difficult for me. I, I tell you guys my story a lot, right? My story was... I was a wrestling writer. I wrote about WWE. I antagonized the McMahon family and, and Triple H and a lot of WWE stuff. I, I wrote about pro wrestling at a time where pro wrestling was really kind of floundering a little bit. Uh, Vince McMahon, who owns WWE, his daughter had married a pro wrestler. All of a sudden, he was, as they call it, overpushed in wrestling. That's when you make someone look like Superman. And that was the show, and the shows were boring, and I kind of made a career out of pointing it out and critiquing, and it was fun. And then from there, I interviewed people in wrestling, and I, I really got into the wrestling industry. But the wrestling industry is a closed business, right? So you could be a part of it, but never really be a part of it. And I never really felt like I was going to be a part of it. I didn't want to be a part of it. I wasn't training to be a wrestler. I didn't want to be on television. I was kind of begged the question, well, what the hell do you want to be? You know, what do you want to do with this business that you don't want to do anything with? Um, and at one point I felt I had done everything. I really did. I had nothing left to do. I said, I interviewed everyone I want to interview. I wrote two books and I write about these shows. And then the thing that really gets frustrating and it's something that anybody who covers, um, an industry or a sport or anything for too long, we'll find that new generations come, old generations go. And a lot of times the, the entertainment genre will repeat things, right? So for example, they did this, 
something on television where the wrestler Brock Lesnar had suplexed the big show uh, in 2002. And when they hit the ring, the ring exploded, right? It just broke. And it was this great spot. I'd never seen it. It was amazing. Some writing about him covering it. And then all of a sudden, like, I remember it happened again. And I was like, this is so stupid. They did it. Why do they do this stupid thing again? I'm writing about it. And everybody loved it when they did it again. And I'm thinking, well, they just did it. They didn't just do it. It was like 15 years earlier. But to me, they just did it. And that's when I started to really feel like this isn't I'm, – I'm on a hamster wheel, kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And I wanted to to get out of it. I wanted to do something new with my writing, but I didn't know what it was. Now, when I tell people the story now, I talk about, you know, I had my heart attack in 2012. We're coming up on the 11-year anniversary of it. And when I was in the hospital getting this quintuple bypass, which was out of nowhere – I missed my kids and my son at that time was just emerging uh, into his delays where we were noticing things were wrong. He wasn't talking. He was like a year and a half old. Uh, it was scary. And a lot of my anxiety and my stress was coming from worrying about my son. And every day I looked at him not, you know, not talking. I looked at him, you know, doing his stimming things, clapping and jumping and getting so upset about it. What's wrong with my kid? What's wrong with my kid? And that's all I could think about. But as soon as I was taken out of that situation, as soon as I had that heart attack, as soon as I was getting that surgery, all I wanted to do was come home to my kids, both of them, you know? And Lucas is a different story than most kids. Like you have to figure, I came out of that, that surgery, um, recovering. I mean, my daughter was, she was like three. It was the door. We watched television together. And, um, and she was always so sweet. But everybody, including my daughter, knew me as someone who came from the hospital, uh, knew me as somebody who was dealing with this. So like everybody kind of deals with you the way they deal with you. Lucas was different and Lucas continues to be different to this day where present situations don't really bother him. You could be going through the worst day in the world and he'll just come over and tap you on the shoulder and laugh and just kind of jump up and down with you. No matter what you're going through, he's in the moment. He's present. And that's who he was then. That's who he is now. So all I wanted to do was get back to this kid. And when I came back, it was like, it was such a beautiful thing. And then I eventually, at that point in 2012, um, just a few years later, started writing about him, created the blog and figured out what I wanted to do. But before that happened, I had a lot of frustration in my life. I didn't know. I knew that I liked to write. I knew that it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to transition from pro wrestling to something else. Trust me on this. I reached out to a lot of people when I wrote about wrestling, trying to, to get mainstream writing jobs, regular writing jobs, quote unquote. I don't self-publish my books, by the way, too. That's the other thing that has made life a little difficult for me. I don't know if you guys know, but self-publishing is when you essentially pay to have a book published or you create it yourself and then you market it. Um, that's the new way that a lot of people do it. I've never done that. I'm, I go the old way where a publisher comes to me. They, they pay me in advance. I write. They give me a marketing team. They create the cover. They do all that. And I've always worked with traditional publishers, ECW Press, Rockridge. Um, I don't know. Maybe something new on the horizon we'll talk about hopefully soon. Um, but it makes life harder when you write a book. You know, I can't just be like, I'm going to write a book. And then I write it and I tell everyone about it. A lot of people can do that. I don't do that. I have to I come up with a book idea and then I got to shop it around. I got to find somebody. That's how I want to do it. I just don't like to do it any other way. But because of that, it didn't allow me then to create something new that could show people, hey, I can write about something else. You know, it doesn't just have to be about John Cena. You know, we could write about other things. So I didn't have that opportunity. So what I ended up doing was eventually writing the blog and then the blog became my new, you know, approach to everything. But God, for years... I thought I was done. 
I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm tired of this thing that I do. And being a wrestling writer was never the easiest thing in the world. You deal with a lot of nonsense. I was a successful wrestling writer. Man, my, my books did really well. I wrote for every magazine, WWE magazine, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And still, people hear wrestling, and you might as well tell them that you're, you know, you're writing about, um, I don't know, plug a really inappropriate, terrible thing in there. And that's what people sometimes treated it like. And that's what I dealt with. And I hated it, you know. And I remember always saying that I had a dream. And my dream with writing, um, and forgive me too, I should have said this at the beginning, I'm not feeling so great. So if I sound a little bleh, that's what it is. But I always said that what I wanted, and kind of what my dream was, was two things. One was for me to be able to eventually just write about me write about my life, you know, tell people stories, tell people about my family, how much that would mean for me. Cause I love telling stories. That's always been my thing. Even in college, I remember I would come into the room and, you know, guys, I was in a fraternity. They would be like, Oh, James can tell some stories. I'd tell them stories about things that happened. And I don't, people just liked it. I never thought of it as, you know, I'm good at telling stories. I just like to tell people about stuff. And I don't know, I guess I, I did it in a way that they enjoyed. So I wanted to do that. I wanted that to be what I wrote about and what I talked about. Pro wrestling is great, but it is essentially something that someone else is creating and I'm writing about their creation. I wanted to create something new myself. And that was what I was, was hoping for. And then the second part of that, and I said this out loud a number of times to a number of people, I said, my dream one day, and at this point now I'm, I'm this wrestling writer and, and all this stuff. I said, my dream one day is for people to be like, did you know that James Gubbin used to write about wrestling? Isn't that crazy? And I can honestly tell you guys, 2023, this has been, this has been the most monumental year of my life. I don't, I don't know if I can explain that even fully at some point. Maybe we'll do the New Year's when I'll tell you guys about it. But this has been an unbelievable year. I've never had a year go like this where it came in like a lion. Now it's going out like a lamb. I have everything in place. I feel more settled than I've ever felt in my life. But I feel like I can honestly say that now. I can honestly say that I feel like the situation is, you know, can you believe that James Gutman used to write about wrestling? Because now I've been given this opportunity to tell you guys about things that I really feel uh, are important to me and to people hearing it. Raising my son, I mean, raising both my kids at this point, I'm, I'm a single dad, I'm a divorced dad. You know, I share custody of my ex-wife, but I have my kids myself when they're here. I'm responsible for all this stuff. And just like all the memes you see online, you know, moms and, you know, oh, look how tired mom is. And oh, many families, the mom does everything. I got it. But then sometimes dads do a lot. And that's what I try to do. I try to be the dad that does a lot. So this is my life. And this is, you know, these things that I guess are somewhat unique to some people being a dad raising a teenage daughter, but especially being a dad raising a nonverbal child with autism. And when I started writing about it in the beginning, I don't think I ever really even understood the importance of that. Because in the very beginning, I wanted to write about Lucas. I loved him and I wanted everybody else to love him. I wanted them to know who he was. I thought it'd be a few articles, you get it out there, you explain it. But really the the amount of, of work that goes into raising any kid is pretty substantial. And when it comes to raising a nonverbal child, I found that so many people um, could relate to it in that maybe they had a child like my son and they wanted to know what they can do. They want to get an idea of what someone else is doing in a realistic way. I don't preach to you guys. I don't tell you things you need to do. Get out there and get this. And, oh, you have to call the, the EAP for the SAE and the PAT. I don't, I don't love to do that. You guys can do whatever you want, honestly. Nothing that I tell you is an instruction manual. Everything I tell you is just my story. 
And if there's any parts of that story that you can take and use, please do so. You know, even if it's not direct, even if I'm telling you a story about something I did and, and you like my thinking in it or you like how I went about it, please do that, use that. But in no way ever think that I'm telling you the perfect way to do things because I don't know, I'm just doing this with everybody else, both of my kids, you know, the way I raised my daughter. And I feel like, I feel good at it in that I feel like I have positive benefits and I feel like I do everything I do out of genuine, sincere love. Like I want my kids to be the best they can be and I want them to be happy. And that's my goal in life of how I go about doing it. But I don't think I'm the best at it and I don't think that everybody should listen to me and I don't think I know more than anyone else. And that's why I try, even when I used to write about wrestling, I, I would critique wrestling, but then I would always find sometimes these wrestling writers would then start talking about another subject in the midst of it, movies or sport. And then they all of a sudden they were experts on that too. And I'm like, I'm barely know, you know enough about wrestling to talk about it. So I feel the same way with parenting. Like I'll tell you guys what I do, but I'm never giving you preachy advice. I don't feel like just because you're reading my article I know everything and you should listen to all this stuff. So I, I I try to approach it in that fashion, being able to talk about them. But I was surprised right off the bat at just how how much this related to a lot of other parents in a similar situation. And and here's where it gets even more important for me. And this is one of the things that I truly love about doing this, just telling you guys why I'm so thankful to be here. Um, it's not just for people who have special needs kids. The amount of times I hear from people who have a relative with special needs, I'm talking grandparents, I'm talking aunts and uncles, I'm talking cousins and, you know, people who are affiliated with a family that would have a child like mine read my article and can hear some of the things that I would want family members in my life to know if they didn't know my son and they knew what I was going through. I get to speak in a way that, you know, if you have a kid who has special needs and you have a a grandparent who doesn't really understand, you could send them one of my blogs, read this, take a look at it. And I've heard from so many people who have done that. And that to me, it feels like a discovery of this important aspect of what I could write about. And I go back in my head to, you know, 2013, 2014, wondering what am I going to do with my writing? How am I going to reach out to people? I don't feel like what I'm doing is important. And if I can go back and tell myself that I would eventually be doing this and this would be the end result, I would be so proud of myself for having done that. I think this is exactly where I want it to be. And I've, I've talked about this on here too, and kind of being proud of the situation, things like that, but how grateful I am for the opportunity to do that. What you guys don't know, you might know if you listen to some of the older podcasts, but having written about wrestling for so long, I don't... And I want to I want to go back and forth on this because I think this is true for any sort of kind of subgenre of entertainment, right? If you are if you are a diehard you know um, fan of Seinfeld, you've got Seinfeld memes and you know all the stuff and you're really deep into it. And there tends to be when you get to that that fan base that's really into something, it does get a little toxic. And for years, I dealt with some toxic. Comma, because wrestling fans just, they comment on everything. They have very strong opinions. They get angry. Um, and it's shocking sometimes. It's like, you know, this is like play fighting, right? Like, they, they get so like, how dare you? A lot of that stuff. So I never really liked reading feedback. I hated it, actually. Um, some of my early books, I've never gone back to the Amazon page. I actually got a negative review for my first book six months before the book came out on this wrestling book site. 
I just don't like these kind of books. I'm like, but I haven't even finished writing it. You know, it was just they had the page available. And then I wrote to the site and I'm like, hey, can you take that review down? My book is now. They're like, no, we leave our reviews alone. I'm like, I hate this business. So I didn't, it was a very toxic kind of um, response. And I remember I didn't, I didn't expect the response to my writing about Lucas and autism to be as overwhelmingly positive as it was. And don't get me wrong, we get trolls once in a while and people I have to ban or people who try to sell supplements or whatever. But right off the bat, it was a positive response that made me feel good. I remember being a little surprised by it, but I remember especially the day that I realized how different this whole thing was and why this was good for you know me, my mental health, my family. Um, I had written an article for The Mighty that then got picked up by Yahoo. It was one of my favorite and proudest moments of writing. I, I didn't know it was coming. Um, I found out secondhand when somebody was like, congratulations. I'm like, what do you mean? And it was Autism Speaks, who I eventually did some some writing with uh, here and there. They had posted it on Facebook from Yahoo, this article by a father. And I remember being like, oh my God. And I remember people telling me, did you read the comments? And I didn't. And I'm like, no. And I had done this before. I love what matters. Did a, I did an article with them too, same kind of thing where people are like, did you read what people are saying? I'm like, no. Because my immediate response to hearing that was like, oh, they must be saying terrible things. This guy's an idiot. He doesn't understand anything. You know, Jake's the snake wasn't at WrestleMania 8, that kind of stuff. Um, but it wasn't like that. It was this overwhelmingly positive response from people. And it makes me want to do this. It makes me want to do it every every week. I don't need to to hear overwhelmingly stuff, but I just need to know that the stuff I put out there is is making this world a better place because that, at the end of the day, is really my goal. I've always said that I want to leave this world a little bit better than what I put into it. I feel like each one of us is put here um, and we have the opportunity to do whatever we want with our time on earth. You could be the worst person in the world. You could be the best person in the world. You could do good. You could do bad. Whatever you do, you do. I just want to do good stuff, man. I want, I want people to, to know that even if I don't succeed every single time, my heart was always in the right place and I always want to do the best. So that's, that's been my goal and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that and I'm thankful for the fact that you guys have allowed me to do that because without you, um, all it would have taken really early on was some like really bad feedback. And tr trust me, I got some negative things here and there. I remember I, I had to tailor and change some of my writing a little bit because I realized off the bat, some of the most negative responses I ever got, which is it's few and far between, were from actually people with autism, right? And I know that's shocking. I tell people that. And I think the reason why is because, you know, I, I write about my son. My son is nonverbal. He can't speak. So I write about his autism. But a lot of times people will read it, or early on, I should say, they, people would read it, people who maybe were high-functioning, people you know who are on the spectrum, and they would assume that I was just writing about my son, you know, and he's able-bodied and able to write himself, and I'm making it about me, and I'm doing all these things. So I got it. I was like, oh, I understand this. You know what I mean? Like, I, This is a group of people who have been marginalized for so long by so many people, so I get that concern about being marginalized again. So I make it very clear. I write about my son because he's nonverbal and he has a right for his story to be told, but at no point am I writing. So I tell you, it's terrible. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to, to really frame your story in a way that tells it correctly. And for me, that's the correct way to tell the story. Do we have difficult times? Yeah. Are there days that I have to chase after him and help him out more than anything? And like, he has a lot of work for the rest of his life. It's going to be chronic. Like, I don't know him tying his shoes are so far off. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So you guys get an idea. And I don't go too deep into his, you know, life skills he needs to work on, but my son's going to need substantial help for a very long time. And that's difficult. But there are also parts of him that aren't as difficult as they would be for his sister. He doesn't need rides everywhere. He doesn't need money every time I turn around. Like there's different things to having different kids on the spectrum. So when I write, I try to point that out to people and tell you truly what my life is like. Is my life rough sometimes? Yeah, I've written about that. But is my life great because of him sometimes? Yes, and I try to write about that. And I try to put that that story out there because at the end of the day, I not only want to help people who have families like mine, I don't only want to help people understand family members if you know they're not familiar with autism, um, but I really want to shine a light on me and my family and how happy it can be. I don't want to try to fool anybody. And I think if I was writing in a way that was like not authentic, I think that would shine through. And, at the end, and that's the other thing too. I tell people all the time, AI is going to take over the world, right? We're going we're gonna to have all these AI writing things. But I think writers who write about the things that I do, personal narratives and how they affect us truly, I think that's going to be around forever. I think there's always going to be a, a desire to hear someone's true story. And I give you guys my true story. I give you the negatives. I give you the positives. I've had ups and downs in the seven years since I've been doing this, uh, writing these articles and telling you guys about my family. I've brought you guys through, you know, a divorce and moving and the death of pets and all these things. And anytime something hit me, whether even when I, mentally, when things were weighing on me, I sometimes maybe talked a little too much, but I want to give you guys my true authentic self. And the fact that I did that and that I was accepted for it. And the response has been so great. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much that means to me. And for a guy who was genuinely concerned for a few years that I had run out of things to do and things to write about. Um, high blog, I'm dad, you know, really just invigorated me, breathed new life into, into my writing and my love of writing. And that's why, even on a week where I might have just been like, couldn't do the, the podcast, it's Thanksgiving. I just wanted to. So I sat down and did it. And I appreciate that you guys allow me to do that. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, so yeah, things are good. I'm happy. I had a great Thanksgiving. You know, um, saw my kids in the morning. I saw them. You know, they came back Friday. We hung out on Friday. I uh, spent it with, uh, with Lauren and Christian. I love them both very much. You guys have been with me through a lot of that too. Um, Christian, of course. I, I, don't, I don't talk a ton about Christian. I'd like to though go into the future. But Christian is... Uh, He's so similar to Lucas, but so different than Lucas in so many ways. And he has that exact same kind of approach um, where he's, he's minimally verbals, but he's, he's sweet. And you feel like when, when you connect with him, you did something real, like you connected with him. And I love it because now we do this thing where like, let's be sitting there and he, he looks at me and he gives me kind of like a smirk, like a smile, but it's almost like he's always in on the joke. Whatever I do, I feel like he looks at me like, ah, like he gets it too. Um, so that was great. I love Lauren. I'm so I'm just so happy to have her in my life too. I'm just so happy right now in general of everything that's going on. And a big part of that is this blog. It is the podcast and it is all of you for the opportunity to do this. So thank you. Um, no better time to say it than on Thanksgiving, 2023. It's been a 180 from a year ago and I am, I am over the moon. So I appreciate it. Please check out the blog, highblogomdad.com. I had some good ones this week. I'll be back on Monday and Wednesday with new ones as well. Highpodomdad.com. Everything is here. I'm on every streaming service. Also, wait, hold on. Don't leave. Highshopomdad.com. Huh? Highshopomdad.com. That is the official store of High Blog on Dad. I barely mention it. 
I don't know why I do that, but go check it out. If you guys see something there you like, please pick it up. If there's something else you'd like to see, let me know. Uh, and in general, if you see anything about this blog and this podcast that you think you'd like to see different or maybe something that I'm, I'm not doing, uh, please let me know. I do have some ideas and some new things on the way, but maybe you thought of one that I haven't thought of. Reach out. Um, I don't know. Help a brother out because guys, at the end of the day, this is for all of us. I do this for you. I do this for me. And I don't know. You mean the world to me. So thank you. That does it for me. I'll see you guys next week, Friday. Friday? I'll see you on Friday. Be well. Bye, Pod. I'm done.